The parasha begins with the lotion of Ayichi Yaakov. Ayichi Yaakov Beretz Mitzrayim. So, there's a lot of Torah on this, why it starts with those words, Vayichi Yaakov. If you think about it, Mitzrayim was Golos, Mitzrayim was Ervas Oretz, Mitzrayim was the worst country to be in, as far as from a moral standpoint. And Yaakov Vinu left Eretz Yisrael. He only went because Hashem told him, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to bring you out. But if you want to get an idea of how bad Mitzrayim was, Yaakov didn't want to even be buried in Mitzrayim. He didn't want to even be in the earth of Mitzrayim. He's afraid there's many different pirushim. He didn't want... He didn't want to have to megalgal, or he didn't want them to make him a tavodizora. Whatever the pirush is. So you would think that the parasha that starts Yaakov going into Golos won't start with the words Vayichi. Vayichi Yaakov Beretz Mitzrayim. Yaakov was. He went. Yeshev Yaakov. Maybe he doesn't want to use the word Vayeshev. Only go Halach Strange that he uses the word Vayichi, which normally means Delem, like we say in Yiddish. You're getting a chiz. So it's true. The, the translation of the word Vayichi, yeah, he was alive. He was alive. He was living. But it's modna. It's modna that when you're talking about Mitzrayim, that's the lotion that the Torah uses. Rashi brings down a famous Chazal. Loma parashas of stuma. Why is this parasha stuma? Because kishemei Yaakov Avinu nistemu einayim v'libam shal Yisrael mitzvahos hashib. Because Kozman Yaakov Avinu was alive, the Mitzrayim didn't persecute the Jews. Kishemei Yaakov. Then the Shibit Mitzrayim began. So the Achrayim ask. So then why is parashas vayichi stuma? Simply, you learn the word stuma means nistemu, the eyes got darkened or blocked, sasu, from the shibut. So that should have been in Pasha Shmois. Yaakovin was still alive. We're starting Vayichi Yaakov. Pasha Vayichi, the shibut didn't start yet. The shibut actually started in Pasha Shmois. So if anything, the stuma should be between Breshis, the end of Breshis, the end of Ayechi, and the beginning of Shemais. Also, there's a lot of different ways to explain this. What, what, what Chazal mean? This Chazal that Rashi brings, the stuma. Another Pella. Amish Pella. Yaakov Avinu already has experience with Kinasachim with the jealousy of the brothers, he saw what happened, and now he comes to Mitzrayim, and he's holding already at the end of his life, Hayikul of Yosef, 
Yosef comes, he fears his father sick, he even comes before his father calls him, he comes, he brings his sons to him. And Yaakov Avinu gives them the famous bracha. That bracha remains the bracha Lodaris till today. Every father gives his children a bracha. His sons, Yisim Chalikim Kefayim Achmanash. Which, it's a mechudish tikka bracha. It's a mechudish tikka bracha. Why were they chosen? It's a father could just say Yisim Chalikim. Tzadikim v'yirei shamayim. But if you're already going to give a dogma, if you want to give an example, it's difficult, to, the whole example, that's really the, the, the first kashas, what do you have to give examples? You should be a tzaddik. Like we say by the bridge, Zach, Orton, God, we don't give examples. Stam, why do you have to give examples? But if you're already going to give an example, so pick the others, pick Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean, this could be in every generation, pick the tzaddik of that generation. Yisim Chalikim, like Kagrach Knievsky. Not bad. Right? Quite good. Right? Be very happy. All my kids should be like Abchaim. Even my daughter. Hashem just had his birthday in 93 years. He celebrated with a little more learning. Kasha, I got a bunch of questions yesterday. When did he learn more? Where does he have the time to learn more? So I got to Kasha. But as I state, that he was macabre, he told Zainakul, that's how he celebrates his birthday. It's more, it's more learning. Wherever that time is. That would also make sense. You want to give your children an example of somebody from your generation? That, that also is an Indian. Because think about it. Do you know Ephraim and Menashe? Do you even, could you even have a goal to be like them? You don't even know who they are. You don't have a semel. So if you, if you, again, simply give your kid a bracha, you should be a tzaddik. Simple. That would be the easiest. If you want to give a dugma, go shoot to the top. If you don't shoot to the top, pick somebody in your generation. That could be an example. Why are you picking a fire menage? Fine. So that's time a question. But, a bigger question, more difficult question, I should say, is that Yaakov Avinu starts the whole process all over again. Almost in a more dominant way than he did for Yosef. Yosef, he gave him a Xenus pass. He gave him a, this beautiful coat. And he, he learned with him. Here, he says clearly, Mama, she makes a proclamation. When Yosef tries to tell his brothers, I'm going to be bigger than you, he tells them his dream, I'm going to be bigger. So Yaakov Avinu, at least outwardly, like we had in Parashas Vayeshev, Yaakov at least dismisses it to the brothers, even though even though Yaakov really anticipated that Yosef is going to be up as something, something taka, above his brothers. But in front of the boys, in front of the older brothers, So at least, whatever promotion Yosef got was somewhat toned down. 
Here, here he goes and he says, Klar. Ephraim is bigger than Menashe, even though he's younger, he's bigger. Puts Ephraim first, takes his right hand, puts it onto Ephraim's head. What's he doing? What's It's also a shtuchel So how do we understand that? What's the, what's the concept? In addition, you turn to the next page, you go to the brachas. Yaakov Vinu calls all his kids, and he gives them brachas. So all the Mephoshim ask, brachas? What do you mean? He's giving them, he's lacing into them. Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, explodes. Ruvain, pachas kamayim, pachoyriyatoh. But then he laces in them. That you can't. You lost your Bukhar. Shimon Levi, or Apun Kiyaz. So what's the what's the bracha here? The end it says, Ishkiper Chasibirachis. So all the Mafarsham is the guy. All different kinds of answers are given. How do we explain this? It's such a pella that the Ksav Sefer actually says a big Kiddush. The Ksav Sefer says that Yaakov actually gave a bracha that we did not put down in the puzzle. Besides for what we read, Yaakov gave a bracha to them too that we don't read. First he, he, you know, he told them what they need to hear. And then he gave a bracha close to the, to the sons what he calls even more than you deserve. The tzaddik, he says one thing is the tzaddik gives you a bracha according to what you, who you are or what you should be getting. And then the tzaddik can give mashpia from his chus. So he says that, the Ksav Seifer, the Rechaim HaKadosh looks into these brachas and he says that if you look through it, he still was giving them brachas because the words of Yaakov Avinu, like for example, when he tells Ruvain, so we read it simply, Yaakov basically tells him, you're my older son, right? Meaning, what a disappointment. You should have been a b'chor. You blew it. I just heard a kid this week, he's also ben yochid, I'm a ben yochid. I only had sisters. So I had a kid this week, a bunch of sisters. Ben So I was able to tell my I'll tell, I'll tell you how many. How many times did your father tell you? I have big expectations. You're my only son. He looked at me with this huge smile. So I, I'm a mumcha. I know. I, I was in your shoes. He's also Ben Yochit. Right? My father never told me the other way. That I, that I disappointed him. Even I'm sure there were times I did. But he never, never told me that. But he did. He did give me a high bar. You're my only boy. You gotta, you gotta learn like you're ten boys. You gotta, you know, you gotta, I'm counting on you. The way you read it is that Yaakov says, "I counted on you, Ruvay. You blew it." Or Chaim says, "No." He told him, "Don't worry. You're still a bechor. Bechor You're still a bechor. You didn't blow it." As I tied up there, 
Even when Yaakov said, He wasn't saying you lost it. He was saying, listen, for now, uh, you know, we put Levi in, but Mashiach's going to come, the Bechorim are going to do Avoida. You know, you're going to be welcome back. So meaning, the Rechaim looks at the words of Yaakov Avinu and he finds within them consolation. Within the words. And you obviously could go on and on. Shimon and Levi, when he says, it sounds like he's saying, you know, they're spread out, you know, you guys are, there's another way to look at it. You didn't lose your maimad. You still connected to Klal Yisrael. Each thing has its... Anyway, there's other ways to learn. But definitely the question is a, is a very strong question. The question is a very strong question. Where was the bracha? For, these, for some of these brothers, where was the bracha? Even in, in many of the brachas, it almost seems like he's enumerating their characteristics rather than a brocha. Right? When somebody comes to me for a brocha, they want to get a brocha. They're not interested. I should tell them, you're a smart guy. Okay. I'm saying, I'm coming for a brocha. You know. The guy wants panos. I say, okay, you have money. I want more money. I want this. I want, they want something. Right? It's really more, many of the brochas are more just like almost characteristic descriptions. If you look at the, at least the, the simple pshat in many of the brachas. So you have to know what the, what the pshat in that is. So, I'll tell you with the hair, it's really a, it's a simple the hair. It's not something that's very, you know, very deep or complex. It's really a, a simplistic idea. But Bishol Yankif was a famous mashkiach in Branovich. He was a brother-in-law of the Altaf and the Vardik, big, big tzaddik, famous Rabbi Bishol Yankif. Before his life as a mashkiach, he was a rov. When he was a rov, he was a rov in a shul. And the Maise goes, this is the Maise, so Maisi, you could almost think happened in the Zman Gemara. But a Maisi like this gives you an inspiration that a lot of what you see in the Gemara is inspiration for us. I just told the Rav yesterday, I was negotiating a get yesterday, a couple that were getting divorced. I was negotiating the get. So I told one of the, I told the parties, Baruch Hashem, it was done very peacefully. So I told one of the parties that I have a somebody I'm close with. You'd think he's a regular pal of us. He's not he's not Chaim Kenevsky, people not people not outside his door lined up for brachas, even though they should be. They should be. Anyway, he got divorced. He had a mice, he got divorced. This guy doesn't know what Machlaikis is. He got divorced. The marriage didn't work, he got divorced. The guy, this fellow who got divorced, had a brother who lives in Eretz Yisrael. Okay. He's very close to that brother. They talk regularly. This is a... I'm not exaggerating the story. I'm telling you... Sometimes you say a story, you exaggerate just to bring out a point. 
like the Ben Ishchai, you make a Moshul. This is, I'm telling you, the way it happened. He comes to me, he's divorced, almost, he's divorced close to a year. He tells me, my brother's coming to visit me, I don't know what to do. I said, what's the problem? He, he, he's very close, I would think he's very excited, his brother's coming. He says, I didn't yet tell him I'm divorced. There's a year after the divorce. This is a divorce that was in the process for years before that. I was involved with this family. Wasn't so if you want to say how long he was getting divorced, probably five years. But he was divorced close to a year. This is a brother he talks to all the time. You didn't tell you you know how people aren't you? Who's you wanna know who's getting divorced, who's thinking about getting divorced? Imagine you have a close friend got divorced. They didn't tell you. You have titles on that. You can tell me about your divorce. You should tell me when you're thinking about getting divorced. You should tell me when you wake up in the morning you think your wife is not such a child. You should tell me everything. This guy did not tell his brother that he was divorced for close to, for about a year. He says, I don't know what to do. Now he's going to come to shop. He says, he'll see I'm not living at home. So what should I do? His name is Beryl. I said, Beryl, we mean you didn't tell your brother you divorced. Why didn't you tell your brother you divorced? That's ridiculous. He said, because once I say I'm divorced, he's maybe say why, and maybe a shtick Lashon Haro will come out. I don't want to be Lashon Yeah? This is not from a thousand years ago. There's a guy walking around town. He maybe wears a t-shirt on Sunday. I'm not sure, maybe he doesn't, maybe it's, maybe he's such a tzaddik, he doesn't put a t-shirt on Sunday. This is, this is a guy, you could put him in the Gemara. Rebelo, Gilesh, is his day, for like Gilo, you can make a mice in the Gemara. So, every story you hear, you shouldn't just think, oh, it's impossible. I'm telling you, an odd door, you can, I mean, the only person I know like that, that I could imagine, is my father. Granted, my father never had a day of showing bias problems with my mother, so it wasn't the get. But my father would be able to do such a thing. I don't know anybody else that would do that, but I'm sure they were. Sure they were. Chai Yisrael, Amir Kulun Sadiq. So we saw Yankiv, when he was a Rav, the Balabatim made a meeting with him. They have a problem with the Shamash. Today we don't know what a Shamash is. Today it's a to go to COVID to be a gabai and but it used to be a shamish was a, a job and it was a tough job you know you were you were everything what we call today you know you were you were board member you were janitor you were you were so many things you were the electrician you were you were everything in the shul you didn't pass conchilos but you were you were everything so they, they met with him. They had this the shamish. He was a shamish in the shul for fifty years already. So he was an old man. He's seventy plus. Wasn't a young man. Anyway, they met with him. They met with the rov, Rabbi Solyankif. They said, Rabbi Solyankif, we have to fire the shamish, and we don't know how to do it. He's here. He's, he's here before we. Most of us don't even remember when he when he came in. He's here fifty years. We need the rub to fire him. So he said, why are you firing him? He said, he's a heated tzaddik. 
They said, yeah, he's a tzaddik. He's, he's not a shamash. He's, he, if the Rav noticed, he doesn't really wake up in the morning. He just makes it to shachras. Okay, so what's the problem? He said, I don't know if the Rav noticed. It's freezing. You have to realize, in Europe, the main job of a shamash, meaning the olive base of a shamash, is to wake up early in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning, come to the shul, and get the fire going. Otherwise, it's freezing. <laughs> You're talking about in Eastern Europe. I mean, it's, it's freezing. You know, you walk here in the basement in the winter. If it's, if it's 55, the home says it's too cold, right? 55 in, in Europe would be toasty. They walked in, it was freezing. There wasn't insulation, there wasn't heat. I mean, it was, it's like going, imagine going into your sukkah in the morning in February. Okay? That's what it was like. So this Alta Shamish, he was waking up late because he was an old man until he fell. Who knows? He didn't sleep. He didn't dizzy. See, he came into the shul. He starts the fire by Shachris. So by Mincha, maybe it was a stickle warm. So the first thing is that his old Yankov says, I didn't even notice it. So you realize how he was davening. He wasn't schliffing through davening. Okay. He, he didn't know what was going on. He was davening. He said, oh, no problem. I'm going to talk to the Shamash. They said, yeah, we spoke to him 20 times. He's, he's, he's just too old. He can't do it. He said, I have a way with Shamashim. Anyway, Taka, he said he's going to meet that afternoon. From then on, no problem. Doylem was amazed. They put it on the list of his Milas. He said, when he left to Branovich, the shul told him, you're not replaceable. You're not replaceable. Boshi, you're not replaceable. He said, there's plenty of Talmud HaChachamim who could pass in your shayels. He said, I understand, but there's nobody that could talk to a shamash the way you did. I mean, you took somebody that was old and this is after the shamash already died. But they said, you're, you're like a powerhouse. The Emesimaisa was that it would be so Yankov started getting up four in the morning and making the fire. Every single day, he made the fire. Nobody knew. The Shamish was very happy. He didn't know what, when, but he was happy. He came in the morning, it's warm. And he was throwing a couple extra logs. Anyway, what happened sometime after the shul was getting warm and the Shamish was enjoying it, he decided one morning he wants to observe what's going on there, who's, who's busy with the fire. Anyway, he walks into shul one morning, early. He sees, he didn't know it's the rough. He sees somebody fully, the whole body in the oven. There's one log that's burning and the person's like blowing, you know, inside. He hears the blowing. So he envisioned it's some schnorr because nobody's no respectful person. The whole body is in the thing. There's one log that's on and he's blowing. He figured he had some kind of pipe smoking something. He's trying to get, use the fire of the... So he gives the guy a little patch on his sticking out an oven. He says, in Yiddish, he tells him, 
Wolfach Shemen, you should you should be ashamed of yourself. That you the shoe here. Kums regenen, you come to smoke with the with the oven in the shoe. Zolfach Shemen. Anyway, the Rav was actually in there trying to get the stubborn log that was moist to start. So he's blowing on it to try to get it to start. But once this guy gave him his etz and he knew it was the shamish, he knew he can't come out. Because the guy's going to be embarrassed. So he stayed in there. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, finally he got another log on. The shamish is still standing. He says, "New no, Kim Shemarois gave him another couple of, uh, you know, love taps. And the end is the shamish gave up on him. After an hour, he says, he's probably burning his skin in there, but Michigan he leaves. Anyway, sometime later, it was Nisbar. What happened? Somebody found out. And the Rav made, a, made him mashbia that he should not tell anybody. And the story only came to spouse him after his ptira. They sent it over by his husband. They sent the mice over by, by his husband. But the person who found out the story, who actually found out the story, asked him, how were you able to do that? I mean, this is not normal. So the cash I had for this guy, like, how were you able to do that? Well, you did. I mean, this is the whole thing is Mishuga. But then the guy who you're coming every morning for giving you pets, you're staying in the oven, you're getting burnt. There's a mice in the Gemara like this, similar. There's a similar mice in the Gemara. That's what I'm telling you. The mice in the Gemara could happen today too. His answer was fascinating. And I think his answer answers out all our kashas. His answer was very simple. The emphasis that there are two ways to look at yourself in this world. One is you look at yourself as self-employed. And then, what you do, how much money you make, what your position is, how much COVID you get, it's all very important. Because you're self-employed. You're, you're, this is who you are. How much money you make, how people look at you, what is it, it's, all, it's all... There's another way to look at yourself. You're an Evadasha. You have it, Hashem. Wherever Hashem puts you, that's your mission. That's your mission in life. There's no such thing. Who? Who's rich? Well, you're rich. Because you're to put a couple of bucks. The guy who drives the brink truck, he's a psychosegavil. You look at him, Choshev. You ever have those trucks drive by the brinks and you look at them and you go, wow, that driver must be a, he, he must be brilliant. Has he managed to have millions and millions in his truck? Nervous the beast. Could be he's trained to shoot. Maybe. That's his chokhmah. That's it. That's the guns of mice. Could be he doesn't even know how to shoot. Today it's a pacha prodem. They had a bomber in Nashville this past week. Baruch Hashem. The only one he killed was himself, but it was, it was a bomb that could have killed tens of thousands of people. 
Okay. Yesterday, they found, I mean, it's, they found this out a couple of days ago. The police were called down there. The guy's friend called the police and said, I have a friend. He knows how to build bombs. He's building a bomb in his RV. The police knew about it. Not now. Months, months, months ago. So they came to the house. They knocked on the door. The bomb maker doesn't invite you to, to the backyard to check the bomb out. So they, so they let him go. The grace of from the police department. I mean, the chief of police was trying to be mastic. <laughs> the guy's friend who lived, who knew him, said he's building a bomb in his RV. Shalom Aleichem. Are you building a bomb? No. Okay, cold to. So some siyata dishmaye. So the guy driving the truck with the money, not necessarily Agurisa Chochem, could be he doesn't even know how to shoot. But maybe he knows how to shoot. He's a, he's a Chochem. Do you respect him more than the mailman? Because the mailman doesn't have a couple of million dollars in the back of his truck. He has envelopes. This guy, he's working for the government. He's working for the government. This is what he's carrying. This is what he's carrying. Does the guy driving the brink truck say, wow, I feel so fulfilled. My job, I have millions. The back of my truck, shh. He doesn't feel that way. Because he knows, what am I? I'm a driver. And I'm, tra- I'm a trained security guard. What am I? Can I go? What's my job? The Abishta gives people different missions in life. That's what he gives people. Missions. This guy has a mission, he should be a rov. This guy has a mission, he should be a give out stalker. This guy has a mission. And as long as you're doing your shlichus, benemonus, that's the biggest promotion you could have in life. That's the highest level. That's... That's it. That's where you peak. That's the highest level. Anybody who's focused on, I have money, I don't have money, I'm smart, I'm this, I'm that, he's better. It's, there's a master creator that just gives people jobs. So this guy has a job, if a guy was in a movie, and his job is to be Mr. Millionaire, he's a psychologist. He knows how to act out a millionaire, so they gave him the job to be a millionaire. He's a millionaire. It could be the janitor in the movies has, has Bitcoin. Which also doesn't have to necessarily make any sense. He bought Bitcoin for 0.2 cents when it came out, and now it's $29,000 per Bitcoin. Granted, huh? he's the janitor in the movie. The guy playing out the millionaire, oh, this can go. Except for whatever he made from this movie. It's a chashivas. It's a job. We glad to have a Meridika job. We work for the Rabbanishal. But whether we work for the Rabbanishal, now it's a millionaire. 
We work for the Baruch Shalom at Shamesh. We work for the Baruch Shalom at Zerub. It's all just working for the Baruch Shalom. With, with the koiches that Hashem gave us. Whether it's brains, whether it's strength, whether it's money, whether that's all it is. There's nothing more. Because Rabbi gave me a job. So I'm better. I'm doing my job in Emonus. The biggest gazir in the world. If he's not doing his stalker the way Hashem wants him to do it, if he's not treating people respectfully the way Hashem wants him to do it, he's an absolute failure. And the guy down the street who's a mailman, who's a shame of Shabbos, and he's Mechanicus children, he is a success. And if this is clear to you, then everything opens up. Menashe the fire. Menashe, he was learning with Yankee Vavino. Ephraim, work with Yosef. Chazal tell us this is a deal the two brothers made. How did they make such a deal? Why would anybody do such a deal? If you were you had a choice, you could either be with Yaakov Avinu, or you could be working in some Egyptian office. Menashe understood that Ephraim has a koyach He understood that this is Ephraim's mission. And Menashe understood that his mission is his mission. And Ephraim understood it, and Menashe, Ephraim didn't look at himself better. Who had Sawyer Chazal tell us? Ephraim looked at himself like he's nobody. And Menashe is the Zobazach. That means these two, these two brothers understood. We all work for the Rabbanish If, if Menashe was looking for a Shtela, he would have never given his younger brother the Shtela. As Odrein by he should be in charge of what they call today the Chotzer. He's the one everybody calls. Fine, can you get me in? Get me into the Bianchi? Flat Mokhoshev. No Jew is calling up Menashe. You get me into Paris? Nebuch, he works over there. By Paris, Nebuch. But Terence says, Menashe understood that's his job. Ephraim understood that's his job. Ephraim of Ruat Soyer. Chazal say, Imamish, he didn't look at himself, I'm the better one. That's my job. It's his job. They were equal. Bechor Yevorech Yisrael. That's the brach every father gives his children. Be an Evan Hashem. Understand that's your mission in life, to be an Evan Hashem. There was no problem of Kinnah. Yaakov was just saying over what Menashe and Ephraim, he was giving them back what they themselves understood on their own. He looked at these two brothers, he saw the whole story. That's the mission. That's the mission. When Yaakov Vino gave out to his sons, whether it was critique, direction, this was all the bracha. Hey, Osfu, they understood we all have a mission. We work for the Banishwell. Success and failure is how much ever Hashem you are. That's it. That's your success. You're proud that the Abish to put in some more bucks in your, in your truck? What's pissed on now? 
Nothing to, nothing, nothing to be proud of that you have a couple of bucks in your truck. You give fine, give all the you being a shliach of the Rebbein For that, you should be proud. As proud as the mailman who gives $360 a year. I always told it, I always used to say over years ago, some of you may have not heard the story from me, it's Kedai to tell you. I got the biggest check I got for Yeshiva ever was a $500,000 check. One check. I got people who gave me more than $500,000. But in one check, $500,000. And this was like early, early on in my career. An hour, and we've been seeing just walked since I could say an hour career. Because we were both there to get the check. When I, when I got that check, it wasn't for me, it was for Yeshiva, obviously. Needless to say, I was, felt very, uh, I don't know, even know what the word is. I felt very accomplished in the mission of fundraising. You know how many doors in those days that would take? That's like 500 doors. At least. <laughs> right? So I had a look on my face. I'm assuming I didn't have a mirror in front of me. First of all, thankful. Whatever. I wanted to give the guy a give him a hug and put him on my shoulders and dance up his That's how we built the yeshiva with that money. The Abish gave it to Tarkoi. The guy looked at me and he said, that the guy who gives $360. That was his first comment. Yeah? And then he said, actually the guy who gives 360 he should get a bigger yashikoyach. Because it's harder for him to give the 360 than for me to give the $500,000. When he gave me the $500,000 check, he didn't go to the breakfast special and cut off the potatoes. He still ordered the full breakfast special with the potatoes. Right? With the cappuccino and the whipped cream. That guy who gives you 360 once a year, he's, he's being, he, you know, he's squeezing himself to give 360. He's bigger. Ah! Once you realize that, that's why I very rarely have a cheshivas for Gavirim. People know it and they're very frustrated with me. People get very frustrated. Recently I went to a bris of a gavir. It was his grandson's bris. And one of my balabatim was by the bris. He, many of my balabatim, but one of my balabatim came to me and says, I'm so happy the Rav finally came to gavir's grandson's bris. Because he knows by every shnar I'm by the bris. Chas <laughs> Shalom. I have nothing against gavir. I'm Adarabah, Gamorim, Bavabasra. And ushers, uh, I don't have respect for Bali Gaivi. I don't have respect that somebody has money and because of that, they feel that they're not a guy who's a gavir, who's taker, uses his money and his and he meets another the way he should. I have a lot of respect. I have nothing against gavir, chas for sure. As long as the guy's makaris makayma. As long as the guy's makaris makayma. Those were the brachas of Yankiv Avinu. He told the Shvatim, you're all shluchim of the Rabbeinu Shalayim. Each one has a mission. Just like Menashe Nefayim understood that. Rabbi Yankiv Yisrael, the, the Mashkir Abranovich, told this guy, he said, what are you bewildered by? That I'm a rov in, in, a, 
in an oven. Chazal say, Mutav sheyapel or the ma'asmotav kivshenei heshval yabum b'nei chaver barabim. He says, when the Balabatim came to me, and they told me they're about to fire the Shamish because he doesn't wake up early to put on the fire in Beis Medrash. Do you know what a bizarre that would be for the Shamish? A guy's working in the shul for 50 years, and now he's fired, and he's fired because he can't get up? What a bizarre. My mission then is not to pask in Shilas. My mission is to go there, heat up the shul so the guy shouldn't get embarrassed. So I did my job. Basically, what we're saying is, I took the same pride to do that, like to get up and give a Shabbos Agol Groshe. If anything more, Shabbos Agol Groshe, you don't give a Shabbos Agol Groshe. Nothing's going to happen. Nobody's eating comments on Pesach because you're not going to hear Shabbos Agol Groshe. That's a pshat. Then he said, once I was in the oven, and the guy didn't know it was me, and he was hitting me on my chela katachten. He said, you know how embarrassed he would be? I had a chiv to stay in there and burn to death, not to embarrass. But it's scary what he finished the story. He said, and I was wondering while I was in the oven getting the shtickle burnt, what do I taka do if the shamish doesn't leave? I couldn't stay in there much longer without dying. <laughs> what should I do? So Yankov Yisrael said, I was noted that I should just stay there and get burnt. The Gemara says, He says, but then I was thinking that if I tackle get burnt in there, ultimately they'll pull me out and then the Shamish will be even more embarrassed. So I was misyashiv that if I start feeling I can't breathe anymore, I'm going to have to pull out. Because I shouldn't embarrass the Shamish that he killed me. Help up my This is Haskil the Yodoyas. And that's what we have to hazard every day of our lives. That our success is doing the mission that Hashem has for us. The guy next to you who has a a little more brains, how much brains do people already have? Everybody's, the Abish, like I always say, is not misspelled from anybody. The Abish doesn't go, well, that guy, wow, he's smart. The Novi says, but the Abish is no Balkishan. The Abish is not impressed with the guy over there, Ken Zogan Abbas will swallow than you because he's a little smarter. He's not impressed. He's impressed. How much you are mighty your koiches? The Abish is not impressed with that guy because he's on the vat of Agudas Yisrael. And he, has a, he makes a hundred million dollars a year. The Abish is impressed that he takes what he has and he uses it for the right thing. And if the guy has a hundred million dollars, there was a Maisa by Chaim, a guy came in. And Reb Chaim Mamish gave him over the head. This is one of the biggest Bali Stoker. Because in the, in the conversation it came out that the guy maybe gives who knows a hundred million dollars to stock a year. But he has hundreds of millions that he's not giving to stock. Mechaim was like, what's with all of that? The, the Nusach I heard is that Mechaim said, fair on that money that's sitting in the bank. Fair. How much money do you need in the bank already? 
You have half a, you have people starving and you have a billion dollars sitting in the bank. Fair. What's that money? It's a brink driver that's not delivering the money. He's sitting in the truck with the truck closed. Is it fair? That's the aside. Memele, when Yankif came to Mitzrayim and he did his mission, Vayichi Yankif. Vayichi Yaakov Peretz Mitzrayim. I asked you, are you talking? Vayichi Yaakov Peretz Mitzrayim. That was his mission. Now his mission was to go and live in Mitzrayim and do what he has to do in Mitzrayim. That's Shulichas. That's the Vayichi Yankif. That's his job. And that's how we have to look at life. Every event in life, that's our job. And it makes life so much more pleasant. And it makes life, you make the right decisions in life when you look at it that way. You meet up a complicated person. The worst of you could come out. But if you just shift gears a drop and you say, today my mission is to deal with this nudge. Hashem just sent me a nudge to deal with today. That's my job. Then you embrace the nudge. Because that's your job. You don't want to be a fool and fail. And that's every, every element in life. You have a shver kint. You know how many people come to me and have a difficult child? Most people don't end up making mistakes. How to treat a child that gives them a lot of nachas. They just tell them how much nachas they're giving them. You gewaldik, you gewaldik, you gewaldik, you gewaldik. Keep on going, do shas again, do this, do do. You shall me, keep going, go, 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 gewaldik. It's very easy. But then when you have a kid that doesn't give you so much nachas, that's your mission. That's your Nisayan. Hashem gave you that kid. Your other kid anybody could have dealt with. Hashem gave you that kid. That's a little more challenging. That's your mission. It makes it so much easier. Instead of looking at it as after ah, this is a I mean, this is mamish, this is my mission. And I always I always hazard this over the parents. They tell me it's so hard. I say, that's your job. That kid is your job. The other four you could send over to me, I'll take them in addition to what I have, Baruch Hashem. That one, that one, that's your job. If we look at life that way, everything changes. First of all, Samech Pechalke. Because we realize, Yenna Gevir is garnished, and Yenna Balkishwin is, we're all Oivde Hashem. They have to maximize our Avodah Hashem. That's the unbelievable lesson of Parashat That's really something we should all internalize.